You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. We are just uh, about, what, 40, 50 hours away from the SEC championship game between the Georgia Bulldogs and the Alabama Crimson Tide. We have lots to talk about with lots of different guests, but we're going to lead the show with a story I read back on maybe even Sunday evening, but it was very cool. It was on AL.com, credit to them, but... In order to explain this story, we thought we'd bring in the participant, and that's uh, Dr. Chris Roberts, and he is a journalism professor, a colleague of Lars Anderson. Um, hello from Matt, and hello from Lars. How are you, Chris? I am doing just fine today, guys. Good to be back. Yeah, great to have you on, Chris. Why don't you just describe to us sort of what happened and, and how, uh, how AL.com got wind of uh, the story? Well, I'm watching the game like everybody else in Tuscaloosa, and I had a package to be picked up uh, to be delivered by a, a UPS guy, and he has got 100.9 blaring as he finds the package as I'm out in the yard, and it's the fourth and one play at the 10-yard line, about two, three minutes left in the game, and I invite him in because, I mean, that's what you do. And, of course, he comes in, and he sits and watches a pretty amazing game. And uh, the, the car, the, the motor was running the whole time. And when it was done, my wife hugged him as everybody else was high-fiving around. And he all went on back to work. I just took a picture because, you know, how often do you have UPS guys in your house after amazing victories like that? And hashtag it roll tide. And somehow it got picked up by the Twitter algorithm. And within a couple of hours, I mean, an hour later, I get a phone call from uh, Ben saying, this thing has got legs. You want to talk about it? So within three hours, the man had a story online. Then I get calls from Bleacher Report with asking permission to run it, and uh, ESPN, and uh, several others. And somehow my 15 minutes of inter- internet fame started, and now I think might end with this call. <laughs> uh, you obviously knew the guy was a big Alabama fan. I got to ask, unfortunately, I guess I think negative sometimes. Did, did he get any trouble with UPS? I mean, he was only there a couple of minutes, right? I have no idea if he got in trouble with UPS. I went down to the store, uh, to, the, to the main office in Tuscaloosa, and, 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 gave him a, and gave him a business card hoping he, that he might track me down. I've not heard anything. If he did, uh, if he's listening right now, he knows how to find us, and uh, we will cause civil disobedience. Uh, and write any sort of injustice that happens. But I don't think that a few people in Tuscaloosa minded at all that a few packages came a few minutes late, given what happened on that field. Chris, you and I both think about these things for the living. Why do you think this particular photo ended up going viral and national? Uh well, it certainly would not have been a big deal if Alabama had lost the game. And in, we teach something called confirmation bias, that people tend to believe things they already believe and want to think that, that they want to think the best about themselves. And, uh, and not that I was thinking about it when I posted this, but, you know, we would like to think that Alabama fans are the kind of people who would invite strangers into their homes to watch last-minute heroics that we all would would ascribe to such a uh, a good thing 
I didn't think about that when I was posting the photo because it was just random and I post random pictures of myself sometimes. And uh, I think that's what it is. It's, it's just people want to think that they would do that. And that's how Alabama fans are supposed to be. Although I've been around Alabama fans who are not, don't live up to that ideal. What if he would have been an Auburn fan? Would you have invited him in? You know, I, I was a sports writer in the 80s, and I think I've told you before, I've seen Bear Bryant in his underpants, but I've also seen most of the Auburn players in various stages of undress back when you were allowed in, in uh, locker rooms back in the 80s. Probably covered more Auburn than Alabama games. Dated an Auburn girl. If it were an Auburn person, my next-door neighbor's an Auburn person, it would have been fine. It, it almost it, it, it would have made the story better, I think. I don't know, but <laughs> everyone coming together, kumbaya. Uh, if it was an Auburn fan, yeah, I guess so. Um, this is kind of for both of y'all, uh, because honestly, I'm really not that surprised that there are people in this state that do that. You know, Chris Roberts' actions, I think, would have been taken by many. Is I'm sure it happened all over the place. Okay. Is, is Alabama, just, is, is, that, is that something we have? And that is that why it's so surprising across the nation? Because nobody else would do it? I saw, I saw a reply to my tweet from somebody at another state further out west who said, I would never do this. And I didn't want to get in the middle of a back and forth, but it occurred to me that in that state you probably wouldn't. Uh, that's not happening in New York City, I can tell you that. No, not in New York City, maybe not in other smaller conferences, but, you know, this is just, you know, the, the way Ben wrote the story, I did not think of it at the time, but it's, you know, when you go to a ball game, there's 100,000 people around you who are people you do not know, and what you have in common is the is the the religion that is Alabama football inside that stadium slash cathedral. And that just happened to be a slice of, instead of the 90 people around me who high-five I've never met before, never will meet again after a home game touchdown, we just did it in my house where the food cost less. <laughs> was there you any know, hesitation I, I, at all when, you, when the, not the, you, know, you knew the guy was there? Just come on in. That's exactly what it was, yeah. Yep. My wife needed somebody. You know, I told my wife, hey, I got somebody coming in to watch it. She was happy because... She, you know, she, she's a huge, her, her daddy broke a television set watching a Bama game in the seventies. So she is a bigger fan than I am. I know, uh, you know, books and dissertations have been written on this question I have for you, but if you can sum it up in about a paragraph, that'd be great. Uh, so why is it, why, why is the nature, what is the nature of fandom? Why is it that we care so deeply and we're so emotionally invested in, in our team or in Alabama. You know, I think about the history of Alabama and we all know in the in the in the fifties and sixties during the Bear Bryant era when there was nothing positive to be said about Alabama and its racial stands and, and Jim Crow laws, while the rest of the world was picking on Alabama, we at least had football to give us some sense of pride. I don't know to what extent that that is still a thing across Alabama. I think it is to some degree. You know, but I have traveled and you've all traveled to other teams and other places. And it's just, this is what we have. This is our community is athletics. This is what brings us together, win and occasionally lose. Well, we need to get this guy back to your house tomorrow on Saturday. 
Uh, I know. Can we openly extend an invitation on your behalf here, Chris? <laughs> Please do. I hope he's listening. I know we had it on 100.9 when we were uh, when when the thing happened. So if if he's listening, he knows who he is and uh, can find me. That would be bring great. a friend. That'd be, yeah, <laughs> bring. It'd be a nice way to uh, wrap a bow on this story. Absolutely. All right, Chris. Well, um, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time as always. And uh, I will be seeing you in Reese Pfeiffer here shortly. Thank you so much. I've got to go teach a couple hundred students about advertising in my intro to mass comm class. I imagine you're about to do some teaching about advertising right now. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. That's Dr. Chris Roberts of the University of Alabama. Good friend of mine on faculty at the university. All right. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. We'll be right back. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Increasingly cloudy this afternoon, the high today 61. Cloudy tonight, rain moving in, the low 47. Tomorrow and Saturday, cloudy with occasional rain both days. Maybe a few thunderstorms as well. Highs between 65 and 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 55 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More big noon sports coming up. All right, welcome back in to Big Noon Sports. That was uh, Chris Roberts and a really fun story um, just about uh, inviting the UPS man in to watch the end of the epic Alabama-Auburn game on Saturday. Uh, I think... You got Matt joining us on the phone now. Okay, yep. Sorry, we're having some technical issues. Matt, uh, just what was your reaction to that story with Chris? Well, when I read it, and I think it was Sunday because it didn't long, take long at all for this to go viral. And then again, I go back to uh, what Chris was talking about. I didn't. It didn't surprise me. It just sounds like something an Alabama or an Auburn fan would do, or a UAB fan, or anybody from Alabama, or maybe even the South. So I wasn't surprised with the port. The story. What really surprised me is that we knew the guy. You know, I mean, he walked around in the halls there, at Reese Pfeiffer. We've talked to him many times, on and off the year. I think, and that, I didn't surprise me that he did it. It just surprised me that we knew him. But I think most Alabama and Auburn all fans and staff would do something like that, uh, particularly in Alabama, because this game is so special to everybody inside the borders. Yeah. Um... Yeah, no, and, and I think, too, uh, I think what he said was just so spot on about <clears throat> it sort of confirmed to other Alabama fans like the, you know, as, uh, as angel, the, the better of our angels, as, as uh, Abraham Lincoln once said. But, um, Matt, there's a story that, of course, caught my eye because it uh, came out of the mouth of Matt Rule the Nebraska coach, but he said that, uh, you know, he was just assessing with the media his uh, his quarterback situation now that Nebraska season's over. And he was asked if he planned on addressing the position in the transfer portal. 
and what he said kind of blew people away that um, if you want to get a good quarterback right now, and I'm paraphrasing, if you want to get a good quarterback right now, it's going to cost you one to 1.5 million to 2 million to get him. He said, just so we're all on the same page. And he said that there are some teams out there that have spent six and uh, six to seven million dollars a year on players playing for them. So, boy, it's it's amazing how quickly NIL money has just uh, just just ratcheted up. But I don't even think it's to the market value level yet. Do you? I mean, I I, I don't I don't know how this ever ends unless again as we've talked about if there's some sort of federal legislation but then can you artificially cap the uh, a person's earning potential and the supreme court i think rightly has said no you can't artificially do that so could even federal legislation do anything for the nil money what do you think bo nix's nil value is to oregon Oh man! Uh, Is he the six million dollar man? I mean, he he's worth more than that. If he, without Bo Nix, you're most likely not going to make it to the college football playoffs. And that alone, just if you make it, I believe is six million per team, uh, six million per conference, right? Uh, so they would be, he would be, so the Pac-12 may not have a team in the in in the Big 12 championship or in the Final Four without Patrick Nix. I mean, so you, I think you could argue that his value is is far greater than six million a year. I mean, it, is it ten, twenty? I, I I don't know. But how, I, how I think, many jerseys have they sold? Yeah, how yeah. many Knicks have been sold across the night? Nike's uh, certainly loving. I keep yeah. giving him. I when you think he's making two or three million dollars. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he's you know. not getting all that Milo's sweet tea. <laughs> Is he still associated with Milo's? You know, I, re- I was thinking about that oddly enough last night. I, I really don't I, know. I bet you know. I think he is. And if he is, that's a great move by Milo's because of all of the airtime and how popular he has become. And and I think, frankly, you know, heading into this last weekend, he's and and Vegas confirms this that he's he is not just a, a, a minor favorite to win the Heisman. He's he's got a pretty sizable lead. I mean, I think Washington will have to beat Oregon for him to lose it. I think uh, he'll have to play bad, and Penix is going to have to play a really strong game. But it, and if that happens, then yeah, then it it could go back to Penix. But um, I don't know. I mean, do you agree with that assessment that it, it's really yeah. Bo Nix's trophy to lose at this point? I really do, unless Penix just has an outstanding day and they win that game. I think that's the only way. Speaking of which, and man, this conversation, I've, I've had to make notes because of the different directions we can go from there. But speaking of Heisman Trophy and all, I heard this just a little while ago, and I'll admit I was listening to a, a, a competition. It was Josh. But they were talking about this story about what LSU has done. And you may not have heard this. I had not heard it until 30 minutes ago. Jaden Daniels and LSU's PR posted on social media stats 
and it had Jaden Daniels stat versus top 50 defenses. Then below it, it had Bo Nix's stat versus top 50 defenses. Well, and then they did the same with Michael Pennant. Well, they hadn't played but a couple of top 50 defenses. Jay Daniels has. And the stats are uh, pretty much in LSU's favor. First of all, will that help him? Is it bad? Is it a bad image for LSU to post something like that where they're, they're giving numbers on him and the competitor? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's fair, you know, if, uh, but there's a lot of ways you can manipulate statistics. Uh, um, and also, does it really matter that Jane Daniels has 881 more yards than Bo Nix this year? I, I, and I, I, I don't know. Um, how do you feel about it? You know, at first, it really kind of rubbed me the wrong way, you know? Uh, it's fair and accurate, but is it right, you know? I, I just don't know if it's right or not. I'm starting to lean back. Well, if it's a fact, it's a fact, it's a fact. But, you know, sometimes things can be true and accurate. You really don't want to post it out there, mainly because you want to promote your guys but not demote the other two. And, and I yeah. think that when you look at it, when you first look at it, that's what it appeared. But then I started thinking on it more and more and more. I mean, good grief. Uh, Bo Nix in Oregon didn't put up any other players. But, I mean, look at the Times Square billboard. Look at the ads I was talking about last week on CBS on their, you know, their website. How many banner ads and, and tower ads they have. So I don't know, Lars. It's like a lot of things. I guess I get a little wishy-washy about it or ride the fence on it. So much has changed, literally in the last two years, Lars. So much yeah. has changed that I think what I consider right and wrong, honestly, Lars, it's kind of moved a little bit. Yeah. Um, that's, also, what is the Heisman Trophy, trophy worth to the school of the player, right? Like, what is the... Uh, um, you know, just in terms of the equivalent of how much money, um, I think uh, it, it, what I've read in the past, the going back to um, RG three when he won the Heisman, um, it was worth uh, the equivalent of fourteen million dollars for the school, just in terms of media mentions that month that RG three won. Um, won the Heisman and that's uh, the kind of publicity you can't buy unless you want to spend $14 million. And then all told Baylor estimated that his Heisman trophy was worth 250 million in extra donations, increased ticket wow. sales, licensing fees, sponsorship deals, um, uh, <laughs> even higher corn dog sales. Like, so that was, was, was crazy um, that, you know that that is what that they put the value of the Heisman on. So roughly what's two, the uh, two hundred six two hundred sixty five million, and this was years ago, years ago. What's the, and, and what's also the value it, it, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so much. Um, and, and this was just back in 2001. I, uh, I was still in New York, and I remember that uh, our organ put Johnny uh, uh, Joey Harrington on that Times Square billboard. And you know how much money they spent back in 2001 on this? $250,000. Boosters, <laughs> boosters at a war. $250,000. That was in 2001. Imagine how much it costs to put Bo Nix up there. Uh, two or three so, times that. No, yeah. More. Yeah. I mean, and you said, and remember what it, and remember what Heisman campaigns used to be was uh, they would just, <laughs> media relations would send out like a little card or something to media members. Like it was nothing. You know. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you remember when we were doing the, Jay Barker show with him and there was you know there were drawers full of all kinds of stuff but in one drawer there was a packet on Jay Barker for Heisman and it was a piece of construction paper I'm not kidding people it was a red <laughs> piece of construction paper with an outline kind of a silhouette of Jay throwing a football and it was stapled at the top left <laughs> And you pulled that red piece of construction paper over, and they had like maybe a packet of maybe 10 pages, 12 pages about Jay, the quarterback, Jay, the person. And then on the very back, it had another people, another piece of that blank red construction paper. And on the back, it was another silhouette of Jay. Now, yeah. it looked like something made in uh, third, third, third grade art class. Yeah. yeah. It was high, high stuff. <laughs> and that's, I'm, that is not an arrow at the Alabama Sports Information Department. It's just like you said. That's what they do. I yeah. remember talking to David Housel about it, and I am loosely quoting him. But he said, yes, we have some photo, photos, and we're going to do this and that. But, David, you come whip my butt if I'm wrong. But he said, what Bo does on the field. It's what's going to win in the Heisman. I thought yeah. that was rather prophetic, and unfortunately, that's not true anymore. You got to promote. There was a guy at uh, Vanderbilt back in that era that actually had a picture of himself on a Cadillac. This was not a Cadillac Williams thing. This was a Vandy quarterback, and um, they actually had to take it back in because it had a brand new car on it. Man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, different world different world um, but now at least you know back when again RG3 was winning the Heisman <clears throat> he couldn't necessarily benefit right away uh, from it but uh, but yeah no it, it's really incredible uh, the things that uh, that people that schools now do to promote their player and, but, you know, I think if you talk to Heisman voters, they don't really care about that. They just go by what they see. And, and yeah, they'll do some side-by-side -side judgment of analysis of looking at different players' statistics. But in the end, it's really about what you see on the field. 100%. Lars, we don't know. Maybe you do. I don't know a bigger Georgia fan than our next guest. And he's going to blow us all up on the other side of the break. It's Hamilton 
McWhorter joins us on Big Ten Sports. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. It is Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, Noah Haynes, running the current controls. And we're joined by all right, Hamilton. Hamp McWhorter, uh, <laughs> who has been a co-host on my shows for, I don't know, 15, 20 years or something like that. Um, it's always good catching up with me. Did you have a good Thanksgiving, man? I did. How about yourself? It's absolutely fabulous. Actually, uh, I spent Thanksgiving with Lars Anderson because my family ended up with COVID issues. So, uh, you know, you know, with Lars and I get together, fun is going to yeah, be had by all. Before we get into Georgia, I want to know what, when, where, how, all of everything. Where were you? when you saw 4th and 31, the Alabama-Auburn game? I was at a buddy of mine's house in Atlanta. We were getting ready to go to the Tech game, but we all were sitting around waiting for that, that play, and we're just, like everybody else, just just stunned at, at, at so many factors of that play, starting of which I, I still have no clue in hell what Auburn was thinking. But it was a great play, and... I've said all along, Alabama's like Jason in a Friday the 13th movie. You just, you just can't kill them. I mean, it's, it's amazing <laughs> what they can do. <laughs> yeah. Um, just uh, your reaction to the throw. I mean, just the, the athleticism of, 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 uh, of just Jalen on that play as well as Bonds. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. It, it really was, but... You know, it's it goes back to you can't give somebody that talented 38 seconds to throw the ball. I mean, you know, send, rush him from his right hand, make him run left. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I was just absolutely baffled why they've got a spy. I mean, if you, if Jalen Milrow can run, drop back and run from the 40-yard line to the goal line before anybody can tackle him, then you then hats off to him. I just don't think that's possible, but... You know, the next game I coach will be my first one, so I don't know what my opinion really matters. Do you think the way that ended, uh, does it give Alabama more confidence that it was a mistake-prone game? Will it affect going into Georgia? I don't think so. I mean, I think it gives them confidence. I think that Alabama, like I said, they're Jason the Friday 13th, but they don't think anybody can kill them. And... I think it helps. I remember two years ago when they played just a horrendous Auburn team and should have gotten beat and came back and played their best game of the year the next week against Georgia in the SEC championship game. Um, you know, so I, I think it helps them. I think they feel like they can make whatever play necessary to win the game after a game like that. How could you not? What can you tell us about what you've seen just from the in the development of Carson Beck over the last uh, six, seven weeks or so? Well, you know, you can tell he's somebody that's been in the program for a while. Um, gotten a lot of reps in practice. And Mike Bobo's done a great job with him. I mean, I, I think that they've just – I mean, he's surrounded by a lot of talent. He very rarely gets pressured. And he is just a – he's probably the best – 
pocket passer I've seen this year. I mean, you, obviously you've got Bo Nix and Caleb Williams and people like that, but they're, you know, they kind of get out of the pocket. Just the pure straight drop back, he's as good as I've seen this year. All right, what was the best shot? I don't know if we've seen, have we seen Georgia 100% flawless? Uh, probably Ole Miss, maybe. Um, you know, the problem right now for Georgia is they, they're banged up a little. Um, and mainly at linebacker, you know, you got an All-American linebacker that's out who would be an ideal person and Dumas Johnson to to go to, to tackle Milrow. But that because he's been out, they've got, you know, some freshmen that play a lot the last four weeks, three, four weeks. So they've got experience. Um, I think Bowers will be back. Um, you know, it, the, the simple point is the game's not played on paper, but I mean, you look at it, and Georgia's better in every area, just about than Alabama, except for sacking the quarterback. Um, but that means nothing because Georgia's better in every area two years ago and got their hat handed to them. So you just don't know. But I, I think if if Georgia plays a clean game, they ought to be okay. Um, I'm not near scared, of, and I probably eat these words scared of Milrose. I was Bryce Young. Um, and I'm not near scared of these receivers as I was, you know, the ones that Alabama's had in the past. But, again, I, I, I've gotten bitten before, and I probably will again. Yeah, we've been discussing that this week of uh, who do you take at the quarterback position just on based on how they're playing right now. Do you go with the, the classic drop-back guy at Georgia, or do you go with uh, Jalen Milroe and just the absolute magic he, he's created? But, uh, but, but, but let me ask you just real quick. If you're Kevin Steele, how do you think – how would you advise him to play uh, the, the Georgia offense? Just kind of just stay who you are and not do anything too exotic? Uh, do you want to put – uh, uh, well, I'll just ask you, who would you put on Bowers, right? If you are going to be playing in a, in a man situation, I think I, if I was steel, I'd maybe start with downs. And then if that doesn't work, switch over to Malachi Moore. but just your, your thoughts on, on all of that. I mean, I agree. I think you've got, I mean, Alabama's secondary is so strong. I mean, I lock up man and I send pressure, um, and hope you can hold up the, the issue to me for Alabama is, and watching them, and, you know, take this with a grain of salt, when I say they're not as strong in certain areas, it means they're still better than most of everybody else, but just in comparison to the rest of the defense, I think right up the middle is where they're weakest. Um, and I think Georgia's going to try and run the ball but and play action, and they're going to try and get Bowers, but you're going to go two tight ends, <clears throat> one back, and at some point, those middle linebackers are going to have to cover somebody, and I think that's where that's where I would try to exploit Alabama if I were Georgia. Is yeah, you know, see who see who's covering Bowers. I mean, Alabama's safeties are really good, but I mean, arguably when healthy, Bowers might be the best player in the country. So, and I figure Georgia will get away. But if I'm still, I count on my my two corners who are outstanding and my two safeties are outstanding, and I put them out there and. Ask them to go win battles, and we're going to put pressure on them. Because if you, I mean, just like last Saturday, if you let quarterbacks this day and age sit back there all day, they're going to find somebody open. You know, Lars and I both agree on what you just said. Brock Bowers, the best college football player, but oddly enough, he won't win the Heisman. He wouldn't have won it, by the way, had he stayed healthy. 
and he won't no. be the first pick. It's 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 odd how that worked out. Just you from your Georgia standpoint, what makes him special? Well, I think it's what makes all the great ones special. It's unbelievable talent and un- unbelievable work ethic. And when you combine those two things, it's, it's you know it's just impossible to stop somebody. I mean, you, when the when the most talented people work the hardest. I mean, that's just, that's what it boils down. Obviously a great character kid because there were people telling him that when he got the tightrope surgery, you just sit out the rest of the year. I mean, you're going to be a top 10 pick while well, I risk it. And he, and he was irritated by that. Um, and he's been that way since he got there. I mean, the kid's from Napa, California, and he's recruiting. He's, he's sending videos to, to the Georgia staff of him running hills, you know, that, that before he gets to campus. I mean, he's just one of those unique individuals, like I said, that, happens to be extremely talented and have a better work ethic than everybody. And that's just, that's just a difficult combination to stop. If you were the OC at Alabama, knowing what you know about Georgia, uh, paying very close attention to Georgia this year, as always, if you're the OC at Alabama, how would you attack the Georgia defense? Um, I, quarterback run would be a lot of it. I think Georgia's going to send pressure the whole time. I mean, that's, Ben Kirby's M.O., most of it. One of the linebackers are coming. Um, you know, as, a, as Georgia, the, the thing that Alabama I don't think does well is their screen game, just because I think their offensive linemen are so big and talented, but they don't move extremely well. But I, if I'm George, I'm trying to I'm trying to get to Melrose, get it out of his hand, make him make quick decisions. If I'm Alabama, it's, it's you know, RPOs, it's, it's quarterback run, design runs. It's let Milrow go make plays. Um, the quarterback run game is always something that defenses have a very tough time accounting for. And when you're as big and strong and fast as he is, that's where I go with it. Hey, can you hang through a break? We're just getting we're getting the tip of the Georgia iceberg here. Do you mind doing that, Ham? Can you hang till one o'clock? Because this is great stuff. Yeah, I, I, I've got so much to do, Matt. But for you, I'll, I'll, I'll hang on. <laughs> I can't tell when you're being sarcastic or not. <laughs> uh, and I've known you a long time. Uh, yeah, I, I would love to. All right, thank you. Hamilton, Hamp McWhorter is our guest on Big Noon Sports. We'll take a break, pay a few bills, and come back and continue breaking down Alabama, Georgia. Saturday afternoon, 3 o'clock from Atlanta. Weekday mornings at 6 a.m. The Martin Houston Show. Join us tomorrow as the Martin Houston Show, powered by Max Sports, turns its focus to Championship Saturday. Of course, we'll break down Alabama versus Georgia. We'll look at the other conference championships game. Will the tie get in? We'll let you know our thoughts. We'll also have our score prediction contest tiebreaker, Georgia's total yards. We'll have those conversations and more right here on your home. Alabama Sports Tied 100.9 and 12:30 a.m. WTBC. Catch the Martin Houston Show from six to seven weekday mornings on Tide 100.9. Are you ready? To- 
Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Increasingly cloudy this afternoon, the high today 61. Cloudy tonight, rain moving in, the low 47. Tomorrow and Saturday, cloudy with occasional rain both days. Maybe a few thunderstorms as well. Highs between 65 and 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 55 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Thanks for dialing us in. Billy, but another beautiful day in the state of Alabama. Our guest is Hank McWhorter. If you've been following me around the radio, up and down and all around, Hamlet's been with me just about every place we've gone. His father was uh, Boyd McCorder, very popular, very talented, very successful commissioner of the Southeastern Conference. I was thinking about this the other day, Hamp. That was like 40 years ago. Man, your dad's yeah, a I mean, good guy. Yeah, I appreciate I always enjoy talking about him. Yeah, he retired, I guess it would be 37 years ago. It's amazing. Yeah, how, how time flies. He was as successful and as popular as the last two we've had. Well, thank you now and certainly fly. Uh, man, he was just a good guy to hang out with. Okay, uh, that being said, let's let's take a little uh, Georgia slant on Jermaine Burton. Um, I think he's got to be the receiver that steps up this Saturday. And then I want to go back to two years ago. You ever really find out why he left Georgia? I mean, you hear rumors. Um, you know, I, he he obviously, you know, I guess we heard some rumors this year that the one game he missed at Lexington, he was quote unquote sick. Um, I asked somebody how sick he is. He's like, I'm I'm not sure. He, I go, we play next week. He goes, well, we're not sure if he'll be sick next week either. So, um, yeah. He's extremely talented. I mean, he caught a touchdown pass against Michigan in the semifinal game. Um, I'm sure it had – who knows? I mean, this day and age, y'all hear stuff and you hear rumors, but kids get offers to go other places and and think they can better themselves. It it, might have been just as simple as he wanted to play with Bryce Young. He says Stetson Bennett. I mean, I don't know. But, yeah, to your point, he's going to have to play big this weekend. And more importantly, I think for him is keeping his emotions in check because he's extremely talented, but he gets, you know, gets a little haywire sometimes and you know he'll be fired up for Saturday. So if he can keep his emotions in check and channel them as Coach Saban talks about, um, then he he should have a big game. All right, Hamp, let's get your uh, clear-eyed analysis here. Not uh, not through the lens of uh, the Bulldogs, but your clear-eyed uh, eyed analysis of how you think this game is going to play out on Saturday. Well, unfortunately, Lars, I can't do anything without a Georgia bias. Um, but 
and, and part and part of that is is not good because when you're a Georgia fan and you're playing Alabama, you got a lot of scars and there's a lot of history. And I'm I'm really glad to play. All the players aren't the fans. Um, I, I, I personally think if it's a clean, normal game, I think Georgia's better. Um, but I've seen crazy things happen this game. There's turnovers, you know, punts. I mean, I don't know, but I, I think Georgia can rattle Milrow. Um, and I think Georgia's going to come after him, and he's going to have to beat him with his legs. That's that's what Georgia's going to going to force him to do, and hopefully they've, they've got a plan for it. And defensively for Alabama, I mean, Georgia's been really good, and, and where both teams have been really good, so I think it's an interesting matchup, is they've both been really good in the second half. Both teams, you know, coaches will tell you halftime adjustments are overrated. You're making adjustments after every series. But whatever it is, both teams have come out and played much better in the second half in these big games. And that will be interesting because, you know, it's going to be, it's going to come down to the end as whose offense can make plays against whose defense. Um, I think both field goal kickers are good. Um, I know Georgia's punter, Georgia has given up zero return yards this year, but Georgia also, interesting stat, has only Wait, covered Georgia's given up. Georgia's given up zero return yards? I don't think I've ever uh, heard that before. On, on punts, yeah. Yeah, on punts, punts yeah. And, wow. And, wow. And, the, and the interesting thing is also Georgia's only recovered one fumble this year. I mean, which is, I don't know how that happens, but, you know, so, you know, and looking at it, Alabama's a little bit better in the turnover margin. I think Georgia's even overall for the year. Um, but I think it's it's like every big game, guys. I mean, it's real simple. Who makes mistakes, who turns it over. And, you know, that that's something you don't know. I think Milrow's a little bit more prone to do that. But, I mean, the thing with Milrow is he could come out and throw for six touchdowns and nobody would be surprised. And he could turn it over four times and nobody would be surprised. So, I mean, it's, it's going to probably come down to quarterback play, as it always does. I mean, I hate to be cliche but um, – that's just what it's going to be. I, I think I think George is playing obviously with, a, I mean, a tremendous amount of confidence. Um, you went twenty nine straight. It's you know this day and age in college football is amazing. Um, so, but the, you know the pressure's on both teams. I mean, you know the weird thing in this whole system, Lars, and you know this, Georgia could have lost to Georgia Tech and beaten Alabama and probably gotten in the playoff. Recording in but progress. Hand raise option. Computer. Uh, we'll continue with. I. Yeah, I think we got uh, some zombies on the line or something. You know, <laughs> just technical, technical stuff like that. Ham, I want this straight from the heart of a Georgia fan. What have the last two years been like? Uh, I, magical. Um, They've been stunning. I mean, no, none of my friends, you know, my age can believe it. I mean, it's it's just even in our wildest dreams, we never thought of this. I mean, to win 29 in a row, 27 straight SEC games, 45 out of 46 games. I mean, it's the greatest run in the history of the SEC. And for it to be Georgia is just, it's amazing. And But I'll also say this, most all my friends, I mean, yes, we would love a three-peat. But I think people would be happier beating Alabama, to be honest with you. I think it's there's that monkey on your back a little bit. And if you win this, not that anybody Alabama's going anywhere, 
but you know, it's not what did Winston Churchill say? It's not, it's not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. And I think that's where Georgia, you know, is compared to Alabama if they can win this game. You know, that's a that's a big Churchill quote you gave. And then the one that I gave the other day was uh, when it came to taking a bath, when Churchill said, uh, as opposed to a shower, you know, why stand when you can sit? Your, yours was a little more profound, uh, but well, I did yeah. appreciate a good <laughs> Churchill quote. Um, how important is this game to Kirby Smart? I mean, his legacy is already secure. And at, at Georgia for winning these back-to-back titles, is he is he already eyeing you know what's in the distance here of uh, all those titles that Nick Saban has racked up? I mean, I can't imagine that he's that he's not. I think every every coach is driven. I mean, they'll never admit it, but I mean, they like to be the best and want to beat the best and want to accomplish more than anybody else. I mean, it's not a career-defining game in terms, like I said, he's already won back-to-back national championships, but I think that, I, I do think it's important from the standpoint of, you know, the the king is dead, long live the king type of thing. Um, I, I think that's important. Now, of course, Georgia could win and then go to get, get drubbed by Alabama and Tuscaloosa next year, I mean, or vice versa. So, I mean, they're, they're going to be playing a lot more in the coming up years, but obviously Nick is probably closer to the end and the beginning and, 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 and hopefully as a Georgia fan, Kirby's got at least 10, 15 more years there. All right. We're about to wrap things up, Hans. You want to give a score? Do you do that? I forget. I should know. Just give me a prediction on how the game's probably going to go. Well, I mean, there's my head and my heart. I mean, here's the point. If I didn't have all the scars from all the old Alabama games, I would be very, very excited and think we're going to win. Those scars give me some issues. But I, I think Georgia will win. I just, I just think they're more complete. I trust my quarterback. Um, and I think that, you know, I would say, I think in order to beat Georgia, you've got to score 34 to 35 points. And I'm not sure Alabama's going to do that. I, I would say something like, you know, 37, uh, 28, Georgia, something along those, 37, 31, somewhere in that line. Okay. But I don't know. What do y'all think? Oh, man, I'm waiting till Friday because I don't want to tell everybody listening in Tuscaloosa and Alabama that I'm leaning towards Georgia, and I'll tell you why. It comes down, and most games do, to making mistakes. Georgia doesn't make Georgia doesn't make many. Alabama does, and they proved it again in the Alabama Auburn game. You know, uh, yeah. they should have pretty much dominated that game, but they kept shooting themselves in the foot and making mistakes and penalties and touchdowns called back. I hadn't finalized it, but I'm pretty close. And man, do you know how much it hurts me to say that to you of all? I know, people? I know, I know. <laughs> well, well, hey, let's talk next week afterwards, one way or the other, and we'll have fun with it. Absolutely. Hey, have a good day and have a good time in Atlanta. All right. Y'all have a good one. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Uh, none like really good person as well as what a great breakdown, too. That's Hemp McCorder. Coming up, we're going to try and dial in the news conference taking place in Atlanta for the Georgia game. We're trying to see if we can find Rick Saban. We'll do that after this break. Top of the hour on Big News Sports. 
getting him involved in the offense for having the two 100-plus yard games. Yeah, well, he's been a big part of the offense all year long, and he's played well all year long. Uh, I think, um, you know, you say a guy gets involved, but you're really reading a play based on the coverage, and sometimes one guy gets the opportunity to make a big play, and sometimes it's somebody else. But when he's had his opportunities, he's certainly taken advantage of them, and, you know, we're happy to see that. And uh, I think that, you know, he's an outstanding player, and we want him to go in and stay focused on what he needs to do to do his job well in this game. And um, he's been a great contributor to our offense, and he can make explosive plays, and hopefully we'll get some opportunities for him to do that in this game. Next will be Oscar Clierga of Claro Sports. Thanks so much. Hello from Mexico, Coach. It's a great pleasure to see you again. The question is simple. What is the most important thing in this week, the mental stuff or the physical stuff for your players? And could you say some words to all the Mexican fans, the Crimson Tide Mexican fans? Thanks so much. Gracias, Coach. Yeah, well, we thank everybody who supports Crimson Tide uh, in Mexico and any place else in the country or the world for that matter. So we appreciate your support. But I think both things are really, really important. I think at this time of the year, you know, players get a little tired, they get a little banged up, they get a little hurt up. Uh, so the psychological part of being able to grind through that and have the mental toughness to stay focused and uh, on the things that you need to do to play well, uh, create the right habits in practice, prepare for the game like you need to is a challenge. Uh, but I think it's very, very important. And I think it's very important to take care of yourself physically, not only on the field, but getting the right kind of rest, eating right, hydrating correctly, you know, all those things, you know, contribute to how you can sustain performance in a game. Next will be Mike Griffith of AJC Dog Nation. Coach, you were kind of on the front end of this uh, portal transfer NIL a few years ago at spring meetings when you told us that this was the world we might be getting into. How, how challenging is it to manage the portal NIL recruiting and roster management while you're preparing for a championship game? Is this model sustainable? Yeah, well, I don't know if it's sustainable or not, uh, but uh, look, I've always been in favor of the players uh, having a better quality of life uh, and sharing in some of the benefits. I think that, you know, if we could create competitive balance, so it's the same, you know, pretty much for everybody so that one school can't choose to invest more than another and create a com competitive imbalance. I think that's the major concern that I have. Um, and I do think it's it's a tough management. You know, we've been trying to focus on the game here. So uh, we're, we're going to look, look to manage all those things, you know, when this game is over. Um, but, you know, it's it's not easy. It's not easy to do. There's a lot of balls in the air. And, and I'm sure players are thinking about a lot of things right now, too. So it's probably tough for them to manage. A reminder for questions, please utilize the hand raise function, and we'll continue now with Steve Moulton of ESPN 1400. Hey, Coach, appreciate the time. I, I wanted to ask uh, what you said right after the Iron Bowl of the dangers of winning a game like that, albeit you didn't play your best. Uh, just if you could further explain what you meant by that and, and maybe how the week of practice has gone as well, Coach. Yeah, well, I think that, you know, sometimes – when you win and don't play like you'd like to have played, 
Um, players aren't as interested in why do we have to make these corrections? Why is this so important? Um, you have to have a certain maturity about you as a competitor to understand that there's lessons to be learned when you win as well as when you lose. When you lose, you know, everybody's really like humiliated and um, really wants to go focus on all the things they need to do to play better um, because they don't feel good about themselves. So uh, having the maturity to be able to manage and learn and build on the good things that you did, uh, as well as still be able to learn the lessons that go with some of the mistakes that you made, uh, I think that's the key to the drill. And I think our players have handled that, you know, pretty well this week. We've got time for additional questions. If you have a question for Coach Saban, please use the hand raise function. And we'll continue with uh, Corey Labonte of WNSP Radio. Coach, you've been coach, you've been very vocal this season about the support that the fans have given you and the positive energy that they've given your players throughout the contest. What message do you have for your fans that will be attending the championship game on Saturday? I don't think it changes much. Uh, I mean, you know, as many fans as we can get there and uh, as much enthusiasm as they can create to try to help us sustain energy, you know, throughout the game is certainly much appreciated. Uh, but it's also, I think, beneficial to, you know, the players being able to stay focused and engaged on what they need to do in the game. We have a follow-up from Mike Griffith of AJC Dog Nation. Coach, I know we've all written uh, the story about you and Kirby and the mentorship there. I guess I want to give you a chance. Could you share some of, about some of your mentors uh, that led you down this path to championships and greatness in college football? Yeah, well, I don't know about all the compliments, but I appreciate them. But, um, you know, I had some great mentors along the way. Uh, first of all, I had a great college coach in Don James who actually – encouraged me and talked me into becoming a coach because it's not something I really wanted to do. And uh, he was very well organized and um, he really sort of looked at developing players, not only on the field, but off the field in terms of developing character that would help them be more successful in life, which is something we've always tried to do. Um, Bill Belichick was a great mentor in terms of organization, football, um, you know, from every part of the organization, how you evaluate players, the kind of players you want on your team, the kind of team you want to have, the kind of system when you, you want to use. So um, George Perlis was a great mentor at Michigan State. It's the first opportunity I had to be a coordinator, first person to give me responsibility. And, um, you know, he had been very successful with the Pittsburgh Steelers and you know, winning four Super Bowls there. So um, those three guys probably had the biggest impact on me. Um, but I've had and learned so much from so many people. Uh, I hate to leave anybody out because I've never really invented anything in this game. I always just learned from other really good coaches and good teachers. We have a follow-up from Steve Moulton as well. Coach, uh, where do you think your team has improved the most since Texas in particular, Coach? Uh, I think the team has improved, you know, dramatically in terms of transformation of confidence, playing together, uh, good leadership. 
but if you had to say where did we improve the most, I would say it's probably offensively. Um, you know, the transformation of Jalen Milrow at quarterback uh, to be productive uh, has been huge in terms of elevating the confidence of the entire offensive team. The improvement in the offensive line has helped us be able to have a little better balance in the game. Uh, the receivers have all played better. So um, if there is a specific area, I would say that would be. But I think the team as a whole has also improved uh, because of their um, confidence, playing with more confidence. If there are any other questions, please use the raise hand function. Steve, go ahead. Coach, I do have kind of one off-the-wall question. I asked uh, Lane Kiffin the week of the Ole Miss-Georgia game about some Kirby stories, and he mentioned about a tug-of-war there at Alabama in which he beat Kirby in a one-on-one tug-of-war. I was wondering if you recall that as well, Coach. I do not, but my money would have been on Kirby. (laughs) If I was going to bet, I I don't remember it, but – I'm just, that would be my comment. <laughs> Next, we'll go to Heather Dinich of ESPN. Well, which I understand that you're not worried about what the committee's doing right now, but I'm sure that you've heard, and I think you, you talked about this on, on Pat's show, about the narrative of the possibility that the SEC could get left out. Because if you win this game, that loss in Tuscaloosa to Texas did happen, and that's how the rankings have unfolded. I just wanted to ask you your reaction to that and your thoughts on the on the SEC's place in the playoff. Well, I think I commented on it earlier, but to reiterate it, uh, I think that uh, the SEC is one of the best conferences in the country. I think Georgia is one of the best teams in the country, uh, and I think that they're one of the best four teams in the country. I think if we beat them, we'd be one of the best four teams in the country Um, because, you know, teams do, um, there's a transformation that goes through the season. Uh, So how are you playing now? Where is your team now? How good are you now? I think all those things, you know, come into play. But I I think it would be a a disrespect to the SEC if um, there is an SEC representation in the Final Four. I do believe that. Next will be Kate Windham of Bama Central. Coach, what have you seen from Jahad Campbell this season and the way that he stepped up when others have been injured, just his ability to make big plays, it seems like? Yeah, well, he makes a ton of plays. Um, he's very athletic. He can run he's fast. Uh, he's a good football player. Uh, it's a new position for him. So um, he's made consistent improvement throughout the, the season, understanding what he needs to do at his position to execute, you know, his role uh, in that particular call. So, uh, but his production and performance has been really, really good for us. And uh, we certainly needed him because we've had a lot of injuries at that position throughout the season. We have an additional question from Corey LeBounty of WNSP Radio. Coach. Coach Deontay Lawson being that alpha dog on your defense. Talk about what he means to your defense this season and his growth and development as a player this year. Yeah, he's played extremely well for us. Uh, He's played well all year long. Uh, But I think the one thing that he does is, you know, he is kind of the leader. Uh, He is very smart. He's very intelligent. 
He understands the game plan. He prepares well for the game. He knows exactly what he's supposed to do and what everybody in the front seven's supposed to do. Uh, so um, I think when he's out there, uh, everybody's more comfortable. Everybody's more confident uh, because he's a signal caller uh, and he's, he's, you know, very confident in making the right calls and getting um, everybody playing together in the front seven, which is really important. If there are any final questions for Coach Saban, please use the raise hand function. All right, Coach, that's going to wrap you up for today. Thank you for your time, and we look forward to welcoming you back to Atlanta tomorrow. All right, thank you. Appreciate you all. For members of the media, we'll take a... Uh, ...at the uh, Alabama-Georgia game, and we'll talk about what Nick Saban said and several other topics that are coming up on Big Noon Sports. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles... Here's Kevin Wire. We have some developing news in the NFL. WFAA TV in Dallas, the first to report that Bills linebacker Vaughn Miller faces an arrest on allegations of domestic violence and that police are trying to get him to turn himself in. Police have confirmed that an arrest warrant is out for a charge of assaulting a pregnant person. In other NFL news, J.J. Watt out with a report saying that Cardinals tight end Zachers has requested and been granted a release from the team. So right now he's subject to waivers, but he doesn't intend to sign with a contender in hopes of getting his second Super Bowl ring. And in the college ranks, we have some big news as ESPN reporting that Indiana is finalizing a deal to make James Madison head coach Kurt Signetti, the Hoosiers' next head coach Signetti, led JMU to an 11-1 record this season. And after missing practice on Wednesday due to a calf injury, Texans wide receiver Tank Dale was spotted participating in practice today. The Alabama Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Increasingly cloudy this afternoon, the high today 61. Cloudy tonight, rain moving in, the low 47. Tomorrow and Saturday, cloudy with occasional rain both days. Maybe a few thunderstorms as well. Highs between 65 and 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 56 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Indeed, and man, Lars, we just bolted out of the gate with Chris Roberts telling about friending a UPS driver, and then Ham Accord was outstanding, um, and then we had Nick Saban on. Uh, do you have any immediate thoughts on what Nick Saban said? I, I would say my biggest take is about Jace McClellan. It doesn't sound like he's going to play. It doesn't. Um... How big a blow do you, if he can't go, how big a blow do you think that is? I think Roydell is capable, and I think Alabama is fortunate that this year they have been moving Jam Miller along very well, and he has responded to the point that, what do they call him, the, the push-tush uh, on the, on the uh, quarterback sneaks? And this may be the opportunity for Justice Haynes to go back to Georgia and show everybody what he's got. But, yeah, it it hurts because he has that breakaway burst. What do you think? Yeah, I think it hurts, and he's been playing at a really high level. 
these last few weeks. I, I don't think you're going to see much of Haynes in, in a situation like this. I know Alabama fans have been clamoring for him all year based on what he flashed in the spring, but this is not Nick Saban's M.O. to put in a guy in a championship game that just hasn't had that much experience. Um, you know, uh, in terms of how how we see this game unfolding, uh, I think Hamp hit it on the head, and it's it's quite obvious. I think whichever quarterback plays better, that team's going to win. Their team is going to win. And I'm not sure that, you know, Hamp was very high on Georgia, but, but you know, given the context that, of uh, and his affiliation with Georgia, you'd expect that. I don't know if you can look at this and go do a position by position analysis and say that Georgia is is better at basically every slot. I I don't know. Uh, I know Alabama's uh, DBs didn't play great against Georgia or didn't play great against Alabama, but I really like that position group. I think I like the quarterback at Alabama better than the quarterback at Georgia right now. Never would have believed I would have said that uh, just six weeks ago, but that's how high a level that uh, Jalen is playing right now, and he just presents so much. His to say that he's a run pass threat is almost an understatement. I mean, he he runs with violence. You know that that one hit he when he went head to head with that Auburn DB. And that Auburn DB was, uh, you know, a little worse for the wear after yeah. that. I was like, wow. I mean, and, and they both put a big lick on each other, and only one of them got up clean. And that just showed you uh, is his toughness. And I just think we are seeing a a really special player growing and maturing before our eyes. And uh, all of that potential that we knew he had is now uh, becoming production. And uh, I, I expect him to play in a really, him to play very, very well. He's been in a lot of big games this season. Uh, hasn't always gone his way, like in the Texas game. But I, I, you gotta give the nod of experience in these highly pressurized situations to the Alabama quarterback. I you know, I think Beck he does throw a beautiful ball, but in college football now, you you really want a guy who's not just a, a a statue back there. And I know Beck can run a little bit, but he's nowhere near the dual threat of uh, of a Jalen Milrow. But um so yeah, shocking to say Matt that uh, I think Jalen is is the key to Alabama's chance to pull off the upset. And and the latest line I've seen is, is Georgia favored by six. Yeah, now I think it went from four or four and a half to six. So uh, I think that uh, tells us where the nation's betters are going. But um, we will see. Three o'clock. It's, uh, it's going to be a, a lot of fun. And um, want to once again mention, as you've heard on uh, Tide 100.9, that uh, I'll be at uh, walk-ons. Uh, after the game for our post-game show. And, and tomorrow, the show will be coming to you once again with Laura Lee from Free right there on University. Lars, there are a bunch of stories that we haven't touched on, and I think almost all of them could have been a lead. 
The Von Miller story is disturbing as you know what. And then I just saw one here where the writer used to he used the following statement. Wallowing in disappointment. All that's coming up. Plus, we got Reagan doing our picks this weekend. You're listening to Big Noon Sports with Matt and Laura. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker who's as roll tied as houndstooth will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at the Bama broker.com. That's Laura Lee at the Bama broker.com. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It is Big Noon Sports. And we have affiliates in East Alabama and West Alabama. And on Tide 100.9, I urge you to download our app so you can listen on a daily basis. You can listen to all our shows. A really good lineup on this radio station, and I speak from very, I speak from much experience. So, one of the things you can also do in downloading our app is you can respond to the show while we're on. And Noah, I understand we have a question or a comment. I would describe this as a, uh, I guess, a comment. Uh, it's from Rick. Uh, it says, Matt and Lars, Roy Dell runs with more force. There's three uh, running backs that can handle the job. That said, it comes down to the offensive line, Roll Tide. You know, he, he makes exactly the point. In fact, he makes it more concise and accurate than I did just a minute ago. But uh, I love Williams. I love watching him at Hueytown. He's a really, really good. And you're right, uh, Rick. He's a strong inside guy. It was not that close to what Army had many years ago, a Mr. Inside and Mr. Outside, but you had both of those players with the skill level to kind of do both. And Jam Miller and uh, ever since I saw Haynes in the spring, I've thought I really thought he'd get a lot more playing time. But he is on special teams and when he has been in, it's been late in games that Alabama was dominating in. So, you know, it's not really a great way to judge it because you're playing against such an inferior team and they're already on their heels. So I, uh, I would like to see him, but to be very, very honest with you, with his experience, um, you'd, obviously, Matt, you'd rather see Jace McClellan back in. All right, uh, Lars. Here's a story that uh, I found quite interesting, and we're not going to stay on it very long, but because it's a while ago, we're just now finding out about it. But Bubba Wallace had his best year ever, uh, finished, and was ousted in the playoffs, I think, one or two 
rounds deep. But he had a great year. His best friend is the champion, and that's Ryan Blaney. Here's the story that directly after the championship, instead of hanging around and partying with his best friend, Ryan Blaney, he got on his flight and he flew home. I'll read it. He flew directly home to sit alone in the dark. Wallace was wallowing in disappointment despite having just finished his own best career season. You know, you can like him or, or, or not. Why even t- say? And then he tweets out about it. Why? You know? I just, uh, yeah, it's kind of taken away from his best friend by telling me how depressed he was because his friend won it. Uh, well, it's just worth uh, chasing around. So, some of my students have uh, told me in the past that if you don't put it out there on social media, it didn't really happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. I, I don't know. Picks are it that, didn't happen. <laughs> what so, was that? What, what, what? That's what they say. Picks or it didn't happen. Like, if you don't have pictures, did it ever happen? Yeah. And it's a, it's a generational thing. But, uh, Very hey, he, he had a... He had a great year. He had a great year. And um, I don't know. We haven't really talked about uh, the, the NASCAR finish. What, uh, what, was your, what was your takeaway just of the whole season of NASCAR? I thought it was a great season. I think the, the real big takeaway in, in looking forward to 24 is what happened to Chase Elliott? You know, he had the injury snowboarding. He had to sit out six weeks, and then later he got in a confrontation on a track, and they suspended him for an, an entire uh, race, which is rarely done. So I, I think that was kind of that may have kind of muddied the waters as popular a driver as he is. But um, overall, I think the way Ryan Blaney came on, and you know, he won at Talladega, and things really started going his way. But um, that's just my quick point on this and you know i guess your students are right in some ways and you know i'm not a stay out of my front yard kind of guy but i am a little bit set in my ways and i do believe things happen that don't get posted on x do you <laughs> uh yeah of course of course um who, who was the super team this year in nascar i'm always interested in the in the team dynamic um, and also I, I, is it chevy ford toyota Ford had a great year. Ford had a great year. And um, then I'm going to pick you a Chevy team. Um, uh, Kyle Larson had a very, very good year. And there's another thing I'm just waiting around because I, did, I didn't care for the guy very much when he was younger. He was very, very brash. I'm talking about Brad Keselowski. But since he swapped and he left Penske and he's now team owner along with Roush Fenway, uh... He hadn't won a race, so I'd like to see him back in victory lane. All right, here's another story, Lars, that is just so worth mentioning because, you know, we all have our our ideas and our complaints and our worries about NIL, but when a guy does something like this, you say, all right, NIL's very good. Seth McLaughlin is giving part of his NIL money to uh, the West Alabama Food Bank. Way to go, Seth. Yeah? Good thing. Yeah, very good thing. Very good thing. And uh, would love to see more of that, more positive what, stories. Uh, I'm sure you've read this story on Von Miller. You want to chase this one around? This is disturbing. Um, 
Von Miller the, with the Bills, who just signed a six-year, $120 million contract. He is in Dallas, reportedly, this week because the Bills are off. And police are searching for him to bring him in and question him on a domestic violence charge of some sort where he allegedly struck a woman, a pregnant woman. So now the police have, uh, you know, issued, what do you issue a warrant for the guy? They're trying to bring him in or at least get him to tell his side of the story. But yeah. right now that's just a bad, ugly look for a former MVP of the Super Bowl. Yeah, an, an arrest warrant was issued um, this morning for, as you said, for allegedly assaulting a pregnant person. And according to the police statement, uh, Miller and the alleged victim got into a verbal argu uh, argument. And uh, then Miller allegedly assaulted the victim based, and this is all based on uh, the preliminary investigation after Dallas police responded to what they called a major disturbance call on Wednesday. And uh, Miller left the scene before police arrived and the uh, alleged victim was treated for minor injuries and was not taken to an area hospital. But um, that uh, they, the police said that they've been in contact with the club and uh, they are awaiting to hear from, uh, from Vaughn Miller and uh, his, uh, you know, herd of attorneys uh, that I'm sure he already has hired. So we'll, we'll see how this plays out, but uh, it is uh, definitely a disturbing allegation, to put it mildly. No question about that. And another, and this is really a topic for a segment, but we're running a little short on time. But I want to throw it out there. Players are hitting the transfer portal, right? They can officially do so on Monday. Is that correct, Lars? I think I got that right. Uh, yes. If they enter the transfer portal, what do you do with them as far as being a member of your team if you're bowling? Uh, you probably don't, don't let you probably don't let them practice. Yeah, that's um, my guess. Because you know some end up staying uh, just because they don't get the right offer, the right NIL money, or whatever the case may be. But um, I was just reading about that because a couple of uh, younger Auburn players, and East Sledge and Steven Johnson, have announced their intention to enter the transfer portal. I think when you announce your intention, I mean, I think it, it, it's case by case. It depends on the relationship you have with the coach. It depends on what your future could be when it comes to, to playing time. It depends on if you burn bridges um, because, you know, is it also, is it really the kid's decision to enter or is he being encouraged to enter kind of by the coaches in a very subtle way? So uh, I think it's case by case, but I'm guessing, you know, 90% of the guys who enter the portal aren't necessarily going to be welcome back. Yeah, you can, uh, and I can certainly understand that part of it. Uh, and then, you know, on the heels of that story is um, the guys that opt out. Never been real fond of that. I understand it, but I don't like it. Does that make any sense at all? 
I just think if you're on that team and you played 12 games, you ought to play one more for your team. What's yeah. your What's your view on that? What, if you can come back and play? I'm no, sorry. If, uh, if, if a guy opts out, if a guy opts out, I don't like yeah. it, but I understand why they don't. Oh, I, I totally understand it. And it was, uh, I believe it was Christian McCaffrey was the first one to do it. Um, if you're not playing for a national championship, uh, then I, I totally understand it. And you go back to uh, Jake Butts, who really terrific tight end for Michigan, uh, ends up playing in the Orange Bowl, not for the national championship. He was projected to be a late first round pick and ends up shredding his knee in the Orange Bowl. It is never the same player. I think it got picked maybe the fourth round and just lasted a, a year or two in the league. Hopefully, you know, he had the, the Lloyds of London big insurance policy, but it's simply financially not worth the, the risk at all, not even close. If you know that you're going to be, um, you know, picked in the first two rounds, I, I, I certainly don't begrudge a kid at all unless you're playing for a national championship, unless you are still alive for the national championship. So really, if you're in the college football playoffs, then I can't imagine leaving your team and, 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 no. and all that. But if you, if that's not on the table, yeah, I, 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 a hundred percent understand. I mean, can you imagine, and it has, a, it has only been about a hundred minutes. So uh, can you imagine if Joe Burrow decided to sit out LSU's run through the playoffs and LSU uh, in, in 2019 winning the national championship because he knew he'd be the first overall pick. You know, there's no way he would have done that. One other note, it has nothing to do with football except it did take place in the state of Georgia. And it has nothing to do with politics, people. But I'm sad at the passing, but 99 years of life Rosalind Carter, she was just such a classy Southern lady, and she was buried yesterday. And um, I always just really like both the Carters. You know why? They just seem like down-home folks. They like dressing. I can tell you that. All right. Uh, we will take a break and get back with more Big Noon Sports. Did you know? Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Famed Elvis tribute artist. Or Big Noon Sports coming up. It is coming up. 
we got to bring Reagan on from R&R to do our picks of the week. But first of all, Reagan, congratulations. You and your wife have, uh, have a little bundle of baby boy, don't you? Yeah, man. We uh, welcomed Riker, John Luke, Starner last Friday. And he's Riker. A, Riker, yeah. He's a um, big one. You want to give us the stats here? Yeah, give us the, the stats, man. Uh, 22 inches long, um, nine pounder. Oh, bless and, your heart. Yeah, Don't well, bless heart. my wife's heart. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and uh, I don't think he's going to be ashamed to get in the showers uh, <laughs> if he plays sports later on in life. Let's get to the picks. Um, all right, all Lars, right. lead it off. We, we go. got to kind of rifle through these. Yeah, pretty cool. uh, it's a championship weekend, conference championship weekend. So we're going to do uh, five. We picks already know here. you won. You won. <laughs> no, we're going yeah, straight to the picks. I think there's no Oregon. way anybody can catch okay. Lars. Or yeah. Oregon, nine and a half point favorite over Washington in the Pac 12 championship game. Reagan. Well, I was just talking about Riker, and wouldn't you know, right after that, as I'm bragging about Riker in the shower uh, and how impressive that was, there's a different Phoenix that I am very impressed with. And I can't believe that they're letting me get away with taking Phoenix and getting nine and a half points. Uh, it's like free money over here. Um, <laughs> look, man, I, I mean, I don't understand the hype about Oregon. Uh, sure, they've blown everybody out, but I mean, like, they're, how many five and how many six and five teams can they play? Uh, six and six teams. Um, they lost to Washington already. Um, I don't think Oregon's a better team by any stretch, let alone nine and a half. So, uh, and I've ridden Phoenix all year. So, you think I'm going to get off the Phoenix train right now? I'm not gonna. So, all go right. Phoenix. All right, Matt. I got the Huskies. You know what? I do too. Uh, I'm going to switch. I'm going to switch my pick. I'm going to go with Oregon. Uh, okay, Okie State. Getting 15 and a half points against Texas out of the Big 12 championship game. Reagan. Pew, 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 pew. Go, Cowboys. Uh, what a wild season that Oklahoma State has had. You lose by like 40 to UCF, they lost by like uh, 36 to. Uh, this other team, there's some other like non-power five school, um, and then they go and beat Oklahoma, and I, they're ten at what? They're nine and three, and look, I mean, it's championship Saturday. Anything can happen here, and uh, I would prefer it if Okie State won, which I think they can, but I'm gonna say. 15 and a half, that's way too much. Give me Okie State. Hey, I'm ditto. 
Uh, I'm taking that many. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking Oklahoma State and getting 15 and a half. Uh, and I'm go boys. Ditto, ditto, I'm ditto ditto. I am. Uh, I'm. I'm going to Oklahoma State as well. All right, uh, Big Ten championship game. Uh, it would be uh, uh, Alabama maybe hoping for a miracle here. Iowa getting 22 and a half points against Michigan. Reagan. Man, that one is really tough because, like, Iowa's really bad offensively. Uh, like, bad. But their defense is stout. So I think it comes down to, do you think Iowa can keep Michigan from scoring 24 points. And <laughs> I'm not entirely sure, but 22 and a half in a champion. This is what's crazy, right? We're talking about these teams being in the playoff over Alabama. And they're, let me check the notes, nine and a half point favorites, 15 and a half point favorites, 22 and a half point favorites in their conference championship game. Uh, but somehow they deserve to get in over Alabama. I don't understand how that makes sense, but to somebody it apparently does. Um, long story short, I'll take Iowa. You know what? This is Your Coliseum is about to collapse, Lars, if you're agreeing with this one too. But I'm no, going with Reagan again because uh, I just, that defense is stout. And, um, you know, it's better, it's better than Ohio State's defense. How many did Michigan score? 30? 31. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm taking take, my Hawkeyes. I'm, I'm going to take Michigan. Uh, they have this us against the world thing going on. Okay, before we get to Georgia, Alabama, real quick, Louisville getting two and a half points against Florida State in the ACC championship game. Alabama's uh, hopes to get into the playoffs could hinge on this game if Alabama can win. So, Reagan, Louisville getting two and a half over Florida State. You know, uh, kind of bugs me um, that Florida State is, is being uh, treated like this. Um, you just get beat. You beat three top 25 teams and people are like, oh, they haven't played anybody. It's like, Wow but we're going to put Oregon or Washington or Texas in, even though they have far less top 25 wins. Um, people forget Tate Rotomaker beat Louisville last year. So um, I am going with FSU again to uh, beat Louisville again and punch their ticket to the college football playoff. I think I think Florida State got the two best players in college football on defense. Uh, Jared Verse. Uh, is like a scarier Will Anderson. Um, I think he's incredible. He uh, and they're there. I mean, they held Florida to minus like 14 yards in the second half. So uh, it was crazy. I, I'm going with FSU. I think the Knowles scalp them and uh, punch their ticket to the college football playoff. Unfortunately, because of the loss, Jordan Travis, I'm going to take Louisville because I think they're going to win it outright. Lars? I'm Louisville as well. All right, Georgia, six-point favorite over Bama. Reagan. I mean, come on. What are we doing here? I'm not going to get on the show and not pick Alabama. <laughs> I am all in. Look, they said that, that doofus said that 
Kirby Smart's the better coach between Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. And well, I mean, what's Kirby Smart's record versus Nick Saban? Anybody got it? Anybody got it? I think it's like one and three. Um, but yeah, sure. He went in one game because Jamison Williams tears his ACL in the middle of the game. But yeah, you got it. So um, look, I'm all in six points. I think Alabama wins by six. Matthew. I'm taking Alabama. Uh, I what? like getting points. I okay. got All right. Wait a why, minute. Why are you surprised? What, because you've been hinting all week that you're you're leaning Georgia. I, I didn't pick them to win. Do <laughs> you understand the whole point spread thing here? <laughs> We're going to get into that more tomorrow. I'm taking Bama to win outright. I'm with Reagan. Oh, there you go. Now. There you go. Hey, Reagan, can all you right. tell us real quick what's going on at R&R? Well, we got cool deals. We've got... All kinds of new stuff coming in. Cyber Monday ends today. You go to rnrcigars.com, use the promo code Cyber25 to get 25% off site-wide and free shipping. And uh, I'm getting orders ready together now. So, and then come on in and watch Alabama and Georgia. We got our new Christmas cocktails out today. So uh, all kinds of cool stuff going on. Awesome. We'll talk to you after the Alabama Georgia game. Thank you and right. blessings right. to you and your family and yeah, the new edition of Riker. Thanks, Thank man. you so much. See ya. See you, Lars. Bye, y'all. See you, buddy.